Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And today, uh, we had an event in the uh, the Cheshire County area here in New Hampshire that I just want to kind of relay. We actually had the organizer of this event on the show a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Michael DeMay, and he was kind of talking about this as an idea. And the idea was a simple one, but surprisingly, it hadn't been done yet. Uh, the idea was, let's get these different interest groups yep. who kind of have some overlap in, in a lot of areas, but not in all of them necessarily, different interest groups that like freedom over here and like freedom over there. And, you know, maybe they like health freedom or maybe they're just all in libertarian or a two A group or whatever. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Second Amendment. Yeah. And so invite these people into the same room and have basically a networking, yeah. an excuse to come together and, and network. And they did that today uh, and it was very successful. Uh, the room was about standing room only. There was a bunch of people standing in the back. They probably could have found seats had they, you know, gotten sure. in and stepped in front of people or whatever. Was there but a mosh pit? No, not Damn today. It. Uh, it was definitely a peace, peaceful I event. I should have shown up. There was no issues like that. <laughs> of course, mosh pits are all voluntary anyway. But, they are. Um, but they are not peaceful, and that's that's worth pointing. But they're out. voluntary. They are they are vi- they are voluntary violence. Yes, that's right. Uh, Much like a boxing tournament. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to say I thought it went really well. I don't even know offhand who all the groups were. They did speak, so everybody who was like representing a group of some sort had two or two to five minutes or something. But like as that I understand it, talk. you asked a very important question. I did. I did. Uh, I got to speak because uh, NHExit.us was one of the you know groups, if you will. We had a table there and we were doing outreach, which also went very well. Uh, but when I spoke before, I kind of said whatever it was I was going to say, I said, well, I want to just take a quick poll. How many of you, and there were over 140 people by my count in that room, so yeah. not a bad attendance, people coming from all across the state, far away as the seacoast, uh, to this event. So how many of you currently support the idea of New Hampshire being an independent nation? And I didn't know how it was, honestly, you know, I figured that it was a friendly room. I mean, I figured it would be half the crowd or something like that. I, yeah. I thought I would do fine on this question but i didn't really know and that's why i wanted to ask it before sure. i said anything else about independence almost every hand in that room went up together i was going to ask uh, uh if you had any idea how many people in that room were in the uh the liberty the liberty movement that existed before the free state project got going well, that's there, hard to good say. Good question. Because, you know? I, mean, I mean, there was definitely, you know, a, a certain, like, that's part of what attracted us here in the first place, was sure. that there were uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people here that were concerned with liberty. And I met yes. one of those guys. I mean, there was a guy who I said, oh, are you native or are you, you, the usual question I ask is, are you a native or are you a free state? Or, and he said, actually, I moved before the free state project. So there's a lot of people that you would call yeah, pre-staters. That's, yeah, that's that's what I was curious is, like, uh, if you had any guess as to how many were uh, were pre-staters. So. I, I, hard to say. I'm sure there's a plenty. A plenty of natives there and a variety. Large it's variety. not frequent when I'm just sort of out and about in my daily life and I, I start talking about, you know, freedom and liberty and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it happens on occasion. And if I'm out like, you know, having dinner or like at a bar or something like that and I start talking to somebody else about it, uh, I've noticed that there have been people like sort of in the audio area. They can hear what I'm talking about. 
who will turn and listen. Mm. And occasionally some people will I'll pipe up, will pipe up and be like, hey, you know what? I was born and raised here and like you guys are awesome and nice. I really support this thing. Like that has been happening a little more frequently mm. than it has, say, in the first year that I was here. Now I'm in my third year or whatever. Well, it may be because the free staters are getting a lot of press now. They're getting a lot of attack pieces. There's a lot of hit pieces, opinion pieces, editorials, uh, letters to the editor that are being uh, published in a variety of different publications. Like there's a full on assault against free staters, quote sure. unquote. And oh, of course, yeah. basically anybody that has a pro liberty viewpoint is being labeled as a free stater these right. days in New Hampshire. The Democrats, the statists, uh, Republicans, these people are on the attack like I have never seen it. They are and spending. I love it big time. I love watching it on this. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have haters, you ain't doing it right. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, the the only trick that uh, Democrats and Republicans have is hatred of the other party, mm -hmm. and they've been playing that one that one trick on this pony <laughs> for the very beginning. And right here in New Hampshire, that means that they have to talk about libertarians. Well, What's the, mm -hmm. the, the one thing I keep seeing about the free staters are funded by the Koch brothers? And I'm like, well, if that's true, then why do I have to have a day job? In addition, to like, you know, like, well, in addition to doing this radio show, why do I have to have a full time day job to like keep things going? One of the best quotes that I've ever heard, and I keep coming back to time and time again, is from Buckminster Fuller. And the quote is, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And if you go back through history, this is how change actually happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't you don't fight what is, instead you build something better, faster, more, right, more capable or you know, does things differently, more efficiently, whatever it is. And people then move over to that new thing, hopefully, and the old thing is, you know, on the outs. And there was a time where this was the freest country on earth. And yes. the reason that it was is because they started doing all of the all of the things that government was claiming a monopoly on. They started doing them themselves. They had these uh, committees of correspondence and Committees of safety yep. and uh, communities of co uh, communication, mm -hmm. and they were doing all of the things that government was claiming a monopoly on anyway. So the fact that there was a rebellion wasn't really a, su a surprise at that point because they already had their own, you know, government. So that's how we got freedom that time, and it's the only way we're going to get freedom in the future. Yeah. Is we have to start creating these parallel structures mm -hmm. so that we're doing these Bingo. jobs anyway. But we're doing them in a way that doesn't coerce people. Like we've advertised for uh, Mark's going to speak in Prague. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, about a thing. And like one of the redundant phrases in that is parallel structures. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, it means exactly this. Building it means alternatives. People building alternatives yeah. to the existing reality. One of the biggest alternatives that has occurred in our lifetime, of course, is cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Bitcoin. And that is evidence that not only does an anarchic infrastructure work and possible, but it actually is capable of replacing the existing paradigm. Yeah, it does it better. Without, like, a violent revolution, right? Well, and, there is right. violence, but it's by the government against the advocates right. of the so, cryptocurrency. Right. I, I, right. I think a perfect example of this is the, the taxi monopoly in New York City. Mm -hmm. So how did how was that overcome? Because that existed for generations and generations of just unbelievable prices uh, that are being uh, passed on to yeah. the consumers. It's unbelievably yeah. inefficient, and it's it's it was a it was about as tyrannical as it could be in its own little niche. Ride sharing technology came in and just upended the whole thing.
something. Exactly. Oh. The, the way of doing it was not to change the law. It was not to mm-hmm. uh, to fight the, the owners of the taxi companies. Right. It was not to fight the, the legislation or the uh, enforcement of the medallion system. Mm-hmm. No, it was let's just accomplish what this is accomplishing in a completely different way. You know, some people are so upset about the tyranny that we're under that they want to, you know, take up arms against it. And I, I can I, I empathize with that mm. very much. But I know that that's stupid. It won't work. It's now, what they want you to do. Now, there are other people who are like, well, let's just go along with it and make little changes. And that's too far in the other direction. Mm-hmm. The The right way is to go this this middle path where, like, you're not going along with it. You're not filling out the paperwork and becoming a corporation. And, like, uh, it, uh, it reminds me of... Uh, 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 a little uh, interview with uh, with Elon Musk, just a, a moment where he, they were talking about uh, him uh, starting to build a, a tunnel system. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, so and he's in California. So right. you have to ask permission for everything because they they monitor everything all the yeah. time. So so what did he ask them for permission for? Oh, I, I want to dig a pit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did he ask them for permission to build a, a giant tunnel system? No. He asked for permission to dig a pit. Mm-hmm. And you just you you just go do the thing. Go do the one little thing that you can get away with. Yeah, you can't fill so, it in. It's it's a tunnel through a mountain or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh in the same way, like they, they didn't ask. And by the time the government got around, people were like, No, they've already proven that this is valuable to us. Mm-hmm. There is a a pseudo monopoly, and I say that because I can't think of another entity besides this one I'm about to mention. That did what it did, and that is basically kill newspapers. Craigslist, mm-hmm. right? For now, classified ads. For classified oh, yeah. ads. It took the idea of classified ads and put it online using the network effect to its mm-hmm. own benefit, put it online, and all of a sudden it took away literally the bread and butter of every newspaper in the United States of America. It's not globally. What percentage of a newspaper's revenue? In the glory days, were big, classified ads. Big, that was a lot. Most of was it. It? Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. my, uh, your subscription basically covered the uh, the price the of printing the thing and getting it out to you, uh-huh. but uh, getting and advertising. All the, yeah, but uh, well, not even advertising. Advertising all actually of, covered uh, most of the costs, like paying the journalist. newspaper. Exactly. And, like like if you were a home subscriber and you got your mm-hmm. newspaper every day, and some kid like chucked his newspaper yeah. at your door, whenever you paid him the two five bucks, whatever whatever that fee was, that just went to pay him. Which disruptive technology is really worth our focus? Because, I mean, we we know for a fact that this is how you change things. And uh, I, for one, am wholly focused on uh, on the disruptive technology of economics, Mm -hmm. of uh, having a new money system. Because the way I see it, absolutely every one of these power structures that is keeping us in a, a, a belittled state all comes back to reinforcing the power of the of the banks and of the ability to print money. Mm-hmm. Sure. So if, if you, you're using their money, you're still losing. Right. Right. Now that being said, I I, I also broke an argument that uh, court system is uh, is right up there with really important things to start replacing. Mm-hmm. And the thing is. I, I mean, Bitcoin wasn't built in a day. This was uh, an evolution over several attempts to create an electronic money system with yeah. no uh, third party. And, uh, you know, it was attempt and fail and attempt and fail. But every time they did, they got a little bit better. Okay, well, we can use this this hash algorithm to secure it. Oh, well, here's the problem with doing that. Oh, well, here's the solution to that problem. Here's privacy. Right. And in the same way, if we're going to start doing a court system, it's going to have to go through the same, like, painful evolution where 
It's right. like, okay, how about this? Okay, well, that won't work because of this. How about this? Well, that won't work because okay, of this. Okay, I want to ask you specifically on that that question or that issue of courts. We already know arbitration exists. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know not, not an unfamiliar territory right. for at least corporate America. If you look at a lot of contracts or uh, terms of service, which aren't really contracts because they don't have offer and acceptance and all that, two right. parties. But uh, they, they a lot of them have arbitration clauses in them. So, well, so there's, so there's, there's an, already a lot of that. So that is, that is part of the developing technology. Mm-hmm. However, um, that is really just an offshoot of the very system that we're trying to replace. Because all of those arbitration uh, all of those arbitration providers are corporations, and okay. corporations are something that exists solely as an extension of this legal system and the court mm, system that right. goes with it. So this court acknowledges that court as an alternative. I see. And in that way, it's it's still a stunted step as far as uh, a, an alternative system. But we can learn from what they're doing because those systems already exist. We just need to be able to modify them in a way that's more voluntary. Mm-hmm. And we can also learn from the past, mm-hmm. something human beings are loath to do. Right. We can learn from the past in things like uh, the Irish. There are many different parts of the of the coercive system that need to be replaced, and one of those heads is the courts. But right. okay, so, but our our time is limited, our energy, our focus; uh, these are limited resources. So there's definitely some dispute as to where we should start investing and in what order, because some advances will be completely completely impossible to implement until other advances have already been made. Here's another place that human beings can learn from. And that's international contracts. Mm. Because as I see it, there's really not one centralized organization that governs international contracts. Right. If you're in a foreign country and you make a widget mm-hmm. and I'm in the United States and I want to purchase your widget you know, at a wholesale price or whatever and you make it at a price and we agree upon that and we sign a contract between us, mm-hmm. we have to stipulate in that contract that if a dispute happens – that we both agree to have that dispute heard by arbitrator XYZ, right. Right. whatever that is. And there's no overseeing centralized governance unit mm-hmm. that, that dictates what we must and must not do. That is all governed voluntarily by our agreement. It's all in the contract. Right. And so if you take a look at even international commerce between uh, organizations... Like we can learn a whole bunch about how to settle arguments and how to arbitrate that stuff without any centralized organization of force known as government. Mm-hmm. And so these are all the pieces, right? So there's a piece of this solution that exists in the arbitration companies. There's a piece of the solution that exists in the international contract right. law. Uh, there's a piece of this that exists in the past in uh, the way that we solved it as communities with Tuathas. Right. But okay, so that one, for example, there are developments that we need to make to apply our modern technology because we simply have more people to deal with. But there are ways of doing that because we have ways of of doing so many things so much faster, but it's going to take some some focus and some time to figure out how to mesh these together. Yeah, Whereas it's tricky. and in the it same is. way, like with with uh, with Bitcoin. So like there was the blockchain was part of the technology. There was the crypto, uh, cryptographic security that was another part of the technologies. And there were like sub parts of these different parts and figuring out how to put them all together uh, took time and a lot of focus. Another and, thing you've got to figure out is the funding aspect. I mean, with cryptocurrency, 
the money is obvious as far as the price could yeah. go up if this thing is successful it inevitably likely will go up so simply holding on to the crypto can be a, a positive well, that's, thing in that that's direction. why I'm so focused on money is because I think that's like the first thing you got to get well, is sure. exactly that reason. Like the solution really is very simple much like a landlord who builds in the cost of water and sewer into the rental agreement for mm-hmm. his tenants you simply build the cost of these arbitrations into your original agreement. So I I wanted to bring up something that's been uh, in the works and behind the scenes, kind of, and it's going to be a disruptive technology if it does catch on. It's called NewNet, as in G-N-U-N-E-T. Has Hmm. anyone ever heard of this? Is that like no GNU's is good GNU's with Gary GNU? It sounds like programmer related. Exactly. It's it's a uh, uh, GNU, not uh, not Unix. It's it's something that's being put on by the Free Software Foundation and a uh, bunch of coders in Europe. Uh, about nine years ago, they uh, created a uh, presentation to present to this for the first time called "You Broke the Internet." We're making a new one, as in G and U. And what this does is it encrypts and obscures data going through the internet at the packet level. In other words, it turns the entire internet into a decentralized uh, Tor-like network. Ooh. So this, I do I actually like know about idea. this one. I just didn't know that's what it was called. So this yeah. is actually the technology that I believe the uh, the military-industrial complex released their network in order to avoid us from creating this. Huh. It's it's separate from what the Navy created this is something that's exactly i think together. that they yeah. i think that they they released all of their uh, uh all of the uh the technology that they had developed so that that would be just too easy uh instead yeah. of us creating a completely encrypted network on the base level uh reverend this sounds like uh, s- uh several things have sort of made claims that sound like what you're claiming this technology does one of the ones that I'm familiar with, at least slightly, I've heard about and read a little bit about, was a an older technology that never really took off called MadeSafe. And, oh, I remember that. And that, that. was a mach- uh, massive array internet disk secure access for everyone. And mm, what I'm they touted, what they touted was that your personal data would be contained within sort of a sphere, and that you would be able to dictate who and when your personal data was released to any sort of organization at all. You're talking about a new protocol that would completely replace the TCP IP and it would be encrypted at the lowest possible level, meaning that every single data packet you're sending somewhere online cannot be viewed by the people who are passing it along. The router at your uh, internet service provider, the route, you know, the 20 routers between your ISP and wherever it is that the packet ends up, they would not be able to inspect that data in any way, shape, or form. Is that right? Correct, and it also obscures it like Monero. Oh, nice! I, so, I am a big um, fan. I know one of the it. one of the things that cryptocurrency doesn't do that I wish it did was privacy by default. Right. Mm-hmm. So speaking so of uh, I, uh, oh, speaking sorry, of cryptographically securing, I, I really want uh, Radspeed's uh, perspective on. So uh, I was really excited about the library protocol because of its ability to uh, to provide an internet that was uh, that was uh, secured and uncensorable. So I'm curious about uh, like, uh, are you uh, first off, are you familiar with uh, with the library protocol? 
familiar with it, haven't looked at the code, or oh. haven't looked at the white sheet or anything oh. yet. Okay, but you're you know, you're you know at least aware of it. I, I'm curious, like uh, how that compares with uh, just doing it uh, from the very base level. It would you wouldn't need to do it through what you were just talking about. This would replace it. So well, library is a yeah. is just a file sharing protocol. Library is not at the level of TCP/IP. Library is operating yeah. uh, above that. I guess you could say this. He's talking about replacing the fundamental the fundamental lowest level so protocol the is, transmission. So the difference the, is like uh, so with something like the library protocol, it goes into the the un the the unencrypted protocol and then gets encrypted afterward. Whereas this would just never think, go into the. I don't know if library is encrypted per se i'm not sure about mm. that library is a, a file storage system that's operating with a public blockchain okay. so, so i don't know okay. if that's the so case then, at then all. how would how would a blockchain fit into the gnu i, I, I don't I'd think it does it does it it doesn't no this is not a blockchain at all okay gotcha. yeah, I mean, we're, right. we're talking it's, about yeah. data transmission here this is exactly. so so how would you do uh like uh uh like dns uh how would you uh have like the www dot blank uh, brings me to here. It's package like, transmission. Yeah, how, that how would is you? A complex question. Yeah, and they have. There are many. Uh, I would recommend to go on YouTube and look at some of the uh, presentations that they've created. They get into the nitty gritty about this it. This is called uh, GNUnet. The website GNUnet.org is that the yeah, the accurate I, site? Yeah, I just called to notify you that uh, NOAA, the National Oce- Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. Is making you famous. You're you're almost in Florida. You are a hurricane. <laughs> oh, I'm almost oh, back in Florida. Hurricane again. Ian or Hurricane Freeman? I thought that. <laughs> I thought, I I, no, Ian. Just Ian. Yeah. I thought that was one of the ones that was on the list of like we're not going to name them this anymore. Well, what? Apparently, not. what category are you? Hmm, I do not question. I don't see that. Are you? That's the question. <laughs> I'm on one of the weather sites right now. I don't see what the category is. I'd like to uh, apologize to my former Floridian neighbors for anything that I might do in the next uh, week's time or however long it's going to be, a few days. I don't Are you know sure it's, it's a hurricane? You're a hurricane and not just a Apparently tropical, it's a tropical depression? D- uh, storm. It's a oh, tropical storm okay. right now. So, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. There you go. Thanks. I'd rather, I'd, rather be a, I'd rather be a storm than a depression. Yeah. Well, okay. uh, anything else you want to share, Major? Well, did you guys hear about those uh, cops out in Colorado that killed that young fellow? Which one? I'm sure that's happened more than once, but... uh... Well, yeah, but this one kind of has some particulars to it. You remember when they handed out those uh, shots? I don't remember what they called them, but they were to overcome the uh, opioid overdoses? Yeah, naloxone. Uh, What's the brand name on that one? I looked it up the other night. It doesn't matter, but you know how the wheels of justice grind mighty slowly. I figured yeah. this took place about two years ago because the medical examiner just. Uh-oh. His name is now Minor Pain. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this play into the story you were talking about, Major Payne, with the cops and some guy? Well, like, like I said, the wheels of justice grind, grind mighty slowly. So I figured this probably happened a couple years ago when they first issued these shots. Mm-hmm. Two cops are... Uh, on patrol late at night, and they spot this young fellow walking down the road and decided to hoorah him. And then they say, well, he was acting funny, so they put him in a chokehold, knocked yeah. him out, and then give him this Narcan. Oh, God. And uh, he died. Oh. And the medical examiner just reversed the standings that it was because of being choked out and uh, inadequate administration of the Narcan, or however he phrased it, is what killed him. Hold uh. on, so the medical examiner... 
has confirmed that it was the the Narcan and the choking that killed him? Yeah, he reversed the findings to make to make such statements. Yeah. So the previous finding was he died due to the heroin, and now they're saying no, it was what the cops did to him, or was he not on heroin wasn't at all? On heroin, he probably wasn't even high. I see. Okay. Well, what was the medical examiner saying was the cause of death previously? I they did not get into hmm. all that. Like I said, this is. Okay. I think it took place in Aurora, Colorado. I'm not sure about the city, but I know it was Colorado. Interesting. Um, I'm sure your magic rectangle could tell you more. Yeah, maybe the cops just wanted to off this guy, and they said, oh, well, you know, he's known for being a heroin user, and let's just jack him up with this drug. And uh, Oh, Uganda in our chat room at chat.freetalklive.com is saying it was ketamine that the person was allegedly on oh. in this, uh, this particular story. Interesting. Uh, it is weird to hear that these so-called professionals, you know, the are, able, are able to administer something like Narcan without medical oversight. Well, I mean, you should be able to as well. That This is available in, in New Hampshire, as yeah. I understand it. You can go to CVS or Walgreens or whatever and buy this stuff without a prescription, and you can have it on hand to administer it to somebody, and you might just save their life. And, and so, I'm sure there are cases in which people's lives have been saved uh, here, in, here in New Hampshire because of this. they're giving it to somebody who you know, doesn't need it, well, that's a huge mistake and or they did it on purpose, right? One or yeah. one or the other. So I, I kind of want to tie this into a previous topic of ours as far as uh, the Buckminster Fuller quote about uh, you don't win these things by resisting, but rather by replacing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that we, like I was saying, there there are a lot of things that need to get done and there's lots of arguments to be made as to which, which is the most important to do first. But on the list is certainly medicine. One of the things that we also need to find ways around, like alternatives to. So, for example, I've used uh, cell 411 before, yes. and never once has someone who arrived then kneeled on someone's neck and, you know, shot them full of something that killed them Bingo. without, like, you know, say, having a trial or something first. Yeah. So this is this is why these alternatives are so important is because as long as we rely on the monopoly to provide these services, they will be provided poorly. Again, one of the one of the reasons that I'm here in New Hampshire is because the folks who are involved with the larger freedom movement here. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's encompassing everybody. Right. The Free State Project, the, the natives who are already here. Right. People who move here without like signing a thing or whatever. They're just like, yeah, I'm freedom oriented. Right. They come here and they want a better life. You know, they want more freedom for themselves. They want freedom for, you know, in our lifetime uh, is because people here are building. Right. And to go back to the Buckminster Fuller quote, like cell four one one is a super important decentralized method of replacing things like 911 for example mm-hmm. and so building that alternative infrastructure uh is attractive to me uh for those that don't know cell 411 is a piece of software you can download for your cell phone and it allows you to send out an emergency alert to your friends, people who are in your cell, people who uh, might be living in the same town as you, for instance, that you and, know, care uh, about and your you can welfare. have multiple cells. 
Correct. Yeah, you could have a friend cell, a family cell, or whatever cell, whatever people you want to put into the cell. Uh, and then you send an alert out saying, oh, uh, you know, getting pulled over on the, this, this location. It's GPS coordinates. And then somebody who's nearby or relatively nearby could respond and they can come and help you. Or maybe the house is on fire or you're having some sort of medical problem. There's mm-hmm. different uh, alerts that you can send out. And um, Last time I remember using it was uh, when I was being threatened. So being able by to uh, the police? just no, not by the police in, in this particular circumstance, hmm. just by uh, somebody else. Yep, just uh, you know, regular street crime, not the mm-hmm. uh, not the usual mafia esque uh, government street crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was being threatened. I hit cell four one one and very quickly had someone else out there. Now I had already diffused the situation by the time they got there, but I but it was a lot quicker than the police would have gotten there. I'll tell you that much. So these things. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, and decentralized cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. uh, apps like Cell 411 that allow you to have a decentralized system to replace things like calling the paramedics, calling the police, right, to where you can call whoever you decide is the right team for the right situation. You have a cell that's like, you know, police type danger. You have a cell for like medical emergencies. You have a cell for like, Hey, let's go and have a party, right? You know, you could have all these different cells that you designate to where, like, if you're having a thing, mm-hmm. you can notify that cell of what's going on. These are very important to the forwarding of freedom, right? Sure. Because you, we're building, and by we, I don't, I'm like, I'm not involved in really building any of this. I use this stuff, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a user, if you will, and I'm a fan of this type of stuff. But that's also one of the reasons why I'm here. We've talked previously about. Like, what's the plan for the future? How do you see freedom coming about? Well, I see freedom coming about by concentrating freedom-oriented people in a geographic area who also are either builders or users of this new technology uh, in ways that will replace the current existing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that and that's the thing where. We- it's really important to figure out what our order of operations is. And that's kind of a personal thing of like, what is the most important thing to replace to me Mm -hmm. so that we can start figuring out, okay, well, these people are going to work on these things. These people are going to work on these things because all of these replacements have a lot of effort that needs to be put into them before they're, you know, ready for prime time before they're ready to replace the people who are, holding a monopoly over us yeah that's true and we are on the uh, the very beginnings of all of this right and you know it'd be nice if we were 20 year, more years into it but uh the, somebody's got to do the early work somebody's got to lay the groundwork and in fact uh a lot of the groundwork has been laid i know tonight on uh, beard talk live you guys are going to be joined by Zephin. he's in the studio hanging out with us here he is one of the the doers when it comes to the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Uh, he was their top bill reviewer last year. Got an award for it at their uh, their awards dinner this year, and, and much deserved. He blew everybody oh, yeah. else out of the water. But the thing is, Zephan was able to come in here less than I think two years ago. He's a relatively new mover here to New Hampshire, and he was able to just plug himself in to a system that was already created. Major Payne just called, I think, last segment about the story in Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And um, this is of the young gentleman who was walking home after having purchased an iced tea at the convenience store, was stopped by the police, put into a chokehold because he they thought he matched the description of a suspicious person. And then subsequently he was injected with ketamine, apparently by paramedics. Uh, and then he died a uh, essentially, a, you know, his brain died. And then uh, he was taken off of life support a week later. That that's right. Yeah, right. Um, and just. 
you know, I know I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I think uh, Major Payne mentioned a couple times about the wheels of justice turning slowly. And yes. just to clarify, I think that's the the wheels of police accountability, and uh, those don't turn at all. No, they don't. So, Are they really so wheels to like, begin with? Right. It's like the <laughs> axle is welded solid to the frame or mm-hmm. something. But Square um, tires like the old yeah, uh, DOS yeah. versions. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it very much reminded me of the Eric Garner case. Mm. That was the um, man who was choked to death by a New York cop same. for selling Lucy's yeah, loose cigarettes. Breathe. So, so uh, yeah, I believe it was another uh, carotid neck hold. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, anyway, so it's been a little pet peeve of mine as well on that is that he actually was not selling Lucy's that day. Oh, really? And we've been hearing for, I don't know, 10 years. This, I think that was 2012 or 13. Mm-hmm. And for 10 years, we've been hearing he was killed for selling Lucy's. But actually what happened was um, he wasn't selling Lucy's that day. He had just broken up a fight between, huh. um, like, two guys on the street there. Well, that'll teach him the for cop- doing the right thing. Hmm. Right. The, the cops rolled in. Can you believe this guy making peace? <laughs> exactly. And uh, when they, you know, they made a beeline straight for him. They knew who he was. He had been uh, ticketed and arrested, I mm-hmm. believe, many times for selling Lucy's. But but if I remember the video correctly, what he was saying was, not today, guys. You know, I'm not doing anything right now. you got nothing on me. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Right? I choked him out anyway. They, they backed him up into that storefront. The, they all three, I think it was three officers were on him, and Officer Pantaleo was the guy who had him. <clears throat> excuse me, had him in the neck hold. Eric Garner was saying, "I can't breathe. I can't breathe for whatever the two, three minutes mm-hmm. that it took for him to die." Um, and you know, I'm sure there are people out there going, "Oh, he can breathe because he's talking," which of course they've been saying that crap for a long time but um what it, what really strikes me about that case is that even on like a show like free talk live where people are very serious about liberty and very careful about um language like understand what um so-called law enforcement is you know the tip of the spear of tyranny mm-hmm. and um still we repeat that the lie that the nypd created immediately after this case that he was selling Lucy's. Well, to me, it's irre- I mean, it's an interesting clarification, but ultimately irrelevant because even if he was selling Lucy's, it doesn't deserve to be choked to death. It right. doesn't even I, deserve to be ticketed. Uh, you should leave somebody the hell alone if they're selling Lucy's. They're not harming or anyone. Or breaking up a street fight. Yeah. So, I, I mean, to I me, agree. it's irrelevant. I agree, but I think I'm just making up percentages here. 70, well, 80% of Americans, they when they hear... Oh, well, he, he, you know, he was killed by the police, but he was selling Lucy's. Right. So he was committing a crime. He should have done what they told him. Mm. They're able to rationalize or justify. Well, you just should have been obeying the law. It's like he he actually was obeying the law. It is an illustration of the misconception that most people have about what a crime actually is. Mm Mm-hmm. The original OG definition of crime was harm to an individual or property. If those two things are absent, no crime has been committed. No victim, no crime. 
Bam. Yeah. Uh, thanks yeah, for calling but, and but, clarifying that tonight. Can, Anything can else? Say, can I say one? Yeah, yeah, real quick. I just want to say, I, I think um, the important piece, I think, is is that that one could have looked much, much worse for the police. And, they're, and maybe those, you know, welded wheels of <laughs> accountability for them might have turned just a hair um, on that if that narrative that the NYPD lied and got attached to that case wasn't if that wasn't allowed to happen meaning if they weren't allowed Maybe. to get away with saying well he was selling lucy's when he actually wasn't they would have come up with something else. It, it would have I, taken a I, little I, bit I of the you. it would have taken a little bit of wind out of their sails though yeah. if, i don't to um, me the footage of the dude kneeling on the guy's neck while staring off into space <laughs> and just like kind of yeah. i don't know it didn't look like he was necessarily Wait, was that, enjoying that, um, it was but, that him or george floyd oh no i'm thinking of the wrong guy now. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right sorry my the other guy who yeah. couldn't breathe i'm yeah. sure there's been it's, plenty of guys who couldn't breathe it, under the it's police easy to get the mixed up isn't it can i brag for just a minute because we were just talking you about may, it yeah, so sure can. i've been working on this song it's called it's time i heard it last night you did yeah uh and i've been working on the mix and you know all that kind of thing uh and you've been working on this for a little bit it's like a year yeah. in the making right it's it, to me it's I don't know. Maybe the best thing I've ever done. Wow. I, I, I don't. Maybe I. Okay. You know, it's hard to tell. But hey, the fact that it's maybe the best thing you've ever done means you're doing it right. Yeah. I really like it so far. And what I've done is uh, at this year's Pork Fest during the Pork Fest picture. That's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the Free State Project's yearly summer fam- camping festival. Yes. Uh, every year they get everybody together. The you know couple thousand, two, three thousand people, whatever it is, or they try to invite everybody onto the hill and take a big old picture. Right. With all of the freedom loving people that are there, and so I thought maybe I can get everybody to to yell, "We will not comply!" Nice. A bunch of times, and I brought some field recording equipment. And uh, I set it up in the field, and then I also had a handheld device as backup, and I was able to record. Yeah. Oh. How many times do you actually have field recording done in a field? <laughs> right? It's like, it have you yeah. used a duct tape on an actual duct? <laughs> 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 I've only done it once in my life. but uh, So, yeah, I'm field recording in a field with arguably, I don't know, 1,500, yeah. 2,000 people. A lot of people. There were supposedly 3,000-ish people at... At pork fest, not all of them came down to take no, the picture, so you can't may- wrangle maybe half of them. So mm-hmm. arguably, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand people or so right. were all hanging out and chanting, "We will not comply." And so I was able to take and record that, and sort of put Sweet. it on a loop. And so at the end of the song, uh, all you know, however many people joined the picture for pork fest of twenty twenty two, are part of this song. Oh, that's cool. It's it's your song. You're in it. That's so cool. it's, you know, I mean, sure, the music's mine and the lyrics are mine. And I did most of the stuff except for the, I programmed the drums, but it's not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, me actually playing the drums. But it's coming along. It's pretty good. And I'm going to attempt to commission somebody to do a music video for it. That's awesome. So maybe next year? I'm hoping to have it done and released like either at or just before Porkfest. Okay. This next one or Forkfest. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Fork and Pork because yeah. Forkfest is now in front of pork fest right there's as many drug addicts now as there were prior to the war on drugs so by all metrics and we're not even talking about the tremendous number of what trillions of dollars that have been spent trying to fight this so-called war on drugs from whatever numbers statistics you want to look at the war on drugs is an abject failure I just think it's hilarious that the excuse to make money is climate change in his country, whereas the way that you got a climate bill passed in our country was to say that it was to make money. 
Wait, what do you mean? Okay, so the uh, the the bill that they passed to fight inflation uh, did absolutely nothing of oh, the sort. The Inflation Reduction Act, exactly, so-called? exactly. That was the uh, and they're going to specific- fight inflation by spending eight hundred billion dollars, right? Well, and in his next address, he refers to the thing as the largest uh, uh, environmental bill that's ever been passed. Biden did, which it was. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's hilarious that in my country, in my country, you have to pretend to be making money in order to uh, do the climate change agenda. Whereas in his country, you have to pretend to be doing the climate change agenda in order to do the thing that's going to make you money. The war on drugs launched by Richard Nixon in 1971. It's amazing it has been now 50 years and of course, it really started earlier with the, pros- uh, the prohibition of cannabis in the 1930s, but they didn't call it the war on drugs until Nixon. Uh, massively ramped up under Reagan in the 1980s, cost the U.S. over a trillion dollars and mm-hmm. has yet to fail uh, yet, as yet has failed to reduce drug use. U.S. overdose deaths rose by 15 percent last year. Right. Petro uh, campaigned on a new international strategy to fight drug trafficking, saying the U.S. led war on drugs has failed. Quote, it's time for a new international convention that accepts the war on drugs has failed, that it has left a million dead Latin Americans during 40 years, and that it leaves 70,000 North Americans dead by overdose each year, he said in his speech. The war on drugs, he said, has strengthened mafias and weakened states. I don't know if it's weakened states. I mean, they seem to be uh, as powerful as ever, but it certainly has strengthened mafias. Mafia states, but we repeat ourselves. Right. Uh, Jonathan Finer, the White House Deputy National Security Advisor who met with Petro before his inauguration, said at the time, quote, The United States and the Biden administration is not a supporter of decriminalization. Now, um, on the, on the point of states, though, uh, so in his case, that's correct because in Colombia's case, yes, yeah, it, the the nation of Colombia and the national government of Colombia was weakened at the expense of the CIA. The man's name, which, as you pointed out, Captain, is uh, relatively amusing. His name is Petro. Last name Petro. First name Gustavo. Got to oil that guy up. Former guerrilla fighter, and he's a lefty. Wait, what do you bombs. mean he fights guerrillas? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure no one's ever heard that one before. Uh, but uh, Petro took the message to the global stage, telling the annual gathering of the U.N. in New York that an urgent rethink was needed. The veteran congressman said that humanity's addiction to irrational power, profit, and money has been more damaging than drug addiction. Quote, what is more poisonous for humanity, cocaine, coal, or oil? He asked the assembly. He said further, the opinion of power has ordered that cocaine is poison and must be persecuted, while it only causes minimal deaths from overdoses. But instead, coal and oil must be protected, even when it can extinguish extinguish all of humanity. Coal and oil. Uh, and I don't know if I agree with him, you know, necessarily about the, you know, those statements. But I certainly agree well, with him. Don't that- you know we're only six months from annihilation? Oh, you mean econ- like uh, ecology or whatever? The- exactly. Yeah. The 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 once the water level rises mm-hmm. past a certain point, we all die. Didn't uh, what was his name? Gore? Didn't he predict everybody was going to die by twenty twelve or something yeah. like that? Screw that guy. And then they predicted everyone's going to die by 2020. Screw his wife, too. And I don't mean like screw. I mean like F them, but I can't say that on the radio. Petro's predecessor, conservative Ivan Duque, warned that Petro could legalize all drugs and possibly threaten the United States. Duque said Friday, quote, what worries me is there is now the possibility of getting into the permission or the legalization of cocaine and consumption. 
he said. I think that will be very bad for Colombia and that it will be very bad for the countries in the hemisphere. And I think it could generate also a major security threat to the United States. Translation. You can't make decisions for yourself. We will make them for you. Hmm. Yeah. What exactly is the security threat of legalized cocaine in Colombia. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? No. I mean, the CIA can't have a black budget if, if cocaine is legal in Colombia. Hmm. How is the CIA supposed to control drug trade if it doesn't if it becomes legalized? That's something else they should do is kick the CIA out of uh, Colombia. Coca and uh, sugarcane are mm-hmm. two of those plants that uh, absolutely require like a very specific tropical environment. Huh. So and, Hawaii and, could grow coca? Um yeah, probably. Okay. What about Florida? Um, no, actually. No. It's, uh, I know. It, it It requires just a, a very, like, even Florida has too much of seasons oh, for wow. uh, for those plants. It would uh, destroy whole crops of them. And the thing is, like, hmm. yeah, you can do this in, uh, in controlled settings like a greenhouse, but you can't make a greenhouse that is the size of a field. I don't know. Mm, you can there's, if there's you bury it underground. It. I, I mean, mean, aren't they doing a ton of... Can you... It, can, is it possible? So I've been told. Well, aren't they doing a ton of marijuana grow indoors? Oh, yes. the marijuana grows everywhere. Right. Like, you can accidentally grow it anywhere. Yeah. Like, it, they call it weed because it is a weed. But the whole idea behind an indoor grow <laughs> is you have total control or as much control as possible over sure. the growing And the thing about that is situation. that you can grow small amounts that way and it'll still be cost effective. Mm-hmm. Whereas with cocaine, they want to grow fields of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So and, and you just can't afford a, uh, a greenhouse setup that is that large. True story. A friend of mine uh, was at another friend of mine's parents' house. As a you know pre eighteen year old person, uh, and had some marijuana, and it was seedy, right? Because this is way back in the day when that's all you could I get. I remember that. And yeah. like because the parental units were on their way in, they just sort of chucked it over the 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 deck, right, the edge of the deck or whatever, into the the area. You know, it's sort of a foresty area. Yeah. The next year, somebody came by and they were doing some sort of inspection to like put an addition on the house or whatever, and some sort of authority person was like, "Hey, uh." Do you know you've got marijuana plants growing in your yard? So, like, the seeds, the, the little piece of it with the seeds, like, had just randomly sprouted and grown in their yard. And they kind of almost got in trouble, but they didn't, like, get wow. any, like, official trouble. But what I'm saying is that you can't just accidentally throw some cocaine seeds over the deck of your no, friend's house no. and next year grow some cocaine. Right. That's a good yeah, point. No, they're night and day, those two plants. Yeah. And there's a lot of processing that has to go into turning the coca plant into cocaine, as I understand it as well. It's not just going out and picking buds uh, off the plant. But uh, so to their credit, this is, again, the drug czar who's who's speaking now in Colombia, the new drug czar. They want to end aerial spraying and manual eradication of coca. They say, he says, that regulating the sale of cocaine would wrest the market from armed groups and cartels. So they're talking about potentially legalizing it within Colombia, but still prohibiting its export. It scares people. So if you regulate it, it will scare them less. I don't like that that's a fact, but that is how people operate. I just don't like the, like, he's making it as if it's a either or choice, a binary choice. And it's like, they never mentioned the choice that, like, we could just not regulate it at all. Well, that's not realistic. That's because they're not libertarians. Let the market decide. Yeah, I mean, you you might be able to... So it is possible in New Hampshire 
to to just legalize something, and there's enough of us that aren't absolutely terrified of it that that's a real thing that could happen. But that hasn't even happened yet with cannabis here in New Hampshire, right. because right. when you start talking about it, the prohibitionists still come out of the woodwork, right. and they're still saying things like, oh, what, is what about the children? What you is can't- Se- September now? I think in October... We're going to be able to drive across into Vermont, and uh, recreational marijuana stores will be open. And they're already open in Maine and right. in, and uh, in Massachusetts. the surrounding states. Right. Every state surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's going to happen at some point, but it? it does need to happen without taxes and without regulations. Mm-hmm. We have the best Live chance. Live free or die, except for when it comes to marijuana. Yeah, I mean, we have the best chance at that becoming a reality in New Hampshire, but also we're not there yet. The free staters don't control the legislature as much as the Democrats want you to believe. Believe that the free staters are in total control of the legislature. They're not. Uh, no Only one has proposed this. But even yeah. so, like the Democrats should be in favor of recreational marijuana. On not some if level. it's proposed by they the Republicans. Used to be. Right. They yeah. used to be. Uh, so they say here, if Colombia were to legalize the drug, and by the way, it's the Daily Mail reporting, if they were to legalize cocaine unilaterally, that would violate international agreements and cause a breach with the U.S. and other countries, according to the former congressman from a coca-producing region who founded a group that would promote sustainable development. The pariah status that that would create for Colombia would likely harm their ability to trade and even access uh, the global financial system. And yet the speculation... Adapt and overcome. Well, they don't want to do that. Uh, yet still, the speculation remained that Colombia would follow the example set in the Americas by Canada, where cocaine is decriminalized in British Columbia and Argentina, where it is legal for personal use. What really brings in as a libertarian in me and like what's going on in um, the Donbass region right now and, and like in Ukraine, um, they're having these referendums. And of course, uh, right. the the way that they're, you know, all of these governments, the way they're, they're uh, conducting themselves is utterly insecure and pathetic. Um, basically, uh, take Russia, for example. Russia could have called a lot of international observers. They don't have to be the official OSCE observers, but they could uh, have a lot of people just going around and making sure that the people's voice is recorded safely. Right? Ukraine has just announced that they're going to jail anyone for five years who even participates in this democratic exercise really okay so we need to recap here we've talked about it over the last uh, few days on the show but you mentioned these referendums what's happening is in the donbass region which is the eastern region of ukraine and then a couple of the southern regions uh, southeastern regions they are having these uh votes that are being that have been called for by supporters of joining russia And these people are saying, look, we want the people to decide their future. We're going to put this thing to a vote. And we want the people to come out and vote on whether or not they want to essentially secede from Ukraine and join Russia. Note the lack of a third option. Which, well, which they've done these things before. And it was overwhelmingly they wanted to break off from Ukraine, become their own independent nations, and then as their independent nations, join the Russian Federation. This to me sounds more like, are you afraid that Russia is going to take over? If so, vote vote to join them right now. Well, I'm (laughs) so there's two levels of this thing for me. So on the on the 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 simple moral level, you should let these people be a part of whatever they want to be a part of and Mm -hmm. not be a part of whatever they don't want to be individually. Yep. However, the truth of what's going on with this is that a proxy war between two major empires is being fought in Ukraine. 
That's all this really is. Uh, it's it's yep. a proxy war that is also uh, fundamental to the economic war that seems to be the foundation of the Third World War as we're experiencing it now. And I just wanted to point out that there have been proxy wars raging for the last eight years in Yemen. Don't forget, Ukraine banned the opposition party a few months ago. Weird. So you can't be in the party that would oppose the current party because, mm-hmm. you know, democracy. And now they're saying... That any citizen, apparently, who promotes or organizes the voting, so anybody that assists, like they carry a ballot box or something mm-hmm. like that, faces a prison term of five to ten years, as well as possible asset seizure by the state, including being barred from employment in select positions for up to 15 years. Make no mistake, this is a direct threat on these people's lives. Uh, yeah. The government likes to say that, oh, you face a sentence of and like make it seem like there's no violence in the equation. Mm-hmm. However, if you face a sentence of or a prosecution of, that means that they purport the authority to arrest you, put you in a cage, and if you resist, end your life. The craziest thing about this is, I mean, we already knew that they were going to ignore these results. They already, before the mm-hmm. election even occurred, yeah. they were calling it a sham. Right. Mm-hmm. So we knew they were going to reject the results. But right. now what they're doing is they're ensuring that any Ukrainians who are going to go and vote to stay in Ukraine, they're just going to stay home. Because they don't. Yeah, I was going to re- say, what's hilarious about this is that you've you've practically guaranteed that it's going to be a one hundred percent we love <laughs> yeah. Russia vote. Right. Let's bring Greg back on the line here in uh, New York. But now, Greg, as you pointed out, apparently the Russians didn't bother to bring in any third party, you know, voting uh, observer types to verify that, that things are legit, if you will. Is that right? Yeah, the OSCE, the Organization for Security Cooperation in Europe is usually tasked with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And during the Crimea uh, referendum, uh, they were called, as far as I understand, by Crimea, and they refused to come because the international system, you see, they don't recognize regions of countries as being empowered to hold a vote, except, uh... of course, in the case of certain regions. Like, for example, Kosovo uh, seceded from Yugoslavia after NATO was bombing it. Um, and uh, NATO, well, uh, they said that there was a genocide being carried out and so on. Uh, You know, very similar rhetoric to what Putin says about why they went to Ukraine. Well, that's really not surprising, though, because if a country starts recognizing that parts of a country can leave, then they undermine their own monopoly over every part of their country. I mean, it's tantamount to uh, like if like if the United States recognized that Crimea or the Donbass can leave Ukraine, then they're practically encouraging us to leave the United States. Hold on, Sweet. Did, did I miss what you said? They're misunderstanding you, Greg. Did you say the OSCE, this third party vote certifying or whatever organization, won't even consider this vote or that? Well, it's, it's like this. They won't participate in actually certifying or overseeing the vote. If you want a vote that everyone can see and count for themselves, then you have to have it on a blockchain. And if you want videos that are going to be uh, uncensorable, because that's the thing, you can put video like this on YouTube, it'll get taken down. But if you put it on a blockchain, then you can have something that everyone can access. What is your prediction, Greg? Uh, like I said, uh, you know, you're somebody who's got some ties to the, the region, as I understand it. 
uh, historically your family does. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, it sounds like Ukraine is guaranteeing that their supporters will not show up at this poll, so it's going to be overwhelming. It likely would have been, in a fair vote, it likely still would have gone to Russia because most of the people living in these areas are Russian you know, descendants and Russian speakers, mm-hmm. as I understand it. But now it's going to be overwhelmingly in support of Russia. Uh, so that's going to result in Russia declaring these areas of Ukraine as Russian territory. They're saying this is now Russia as of Wednesday, basically next week. And now Putin has said that if these are now Russia based on these votes, then they will protect them as though they are Russia. It will no longer be a special military action. It will be full on war mm-hmm. to protect their country. What do you think is going to transpire here? Well, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, But I think what's going to transpire is pretty much what you said. Both governments have completely botched this uh, referendum, and it's going to be extremely lopsided in favor of Russia, because like you said, whoever is, uh, you you know, uh, feels like they're Ukrainian uh, patriots, they will simply stay away from these things. And so these will be completely one-sided and useless, uh, but Russia will use them uh, to declare. And of course, the rest of the international community won't recognize them. But here is the real problem. If Russia does indeed uh, recognize these regions as part of Russia, then by the logic of these ridiculous government uh, you know, uh, approaches who don't listen to each other and they don't listen to other governments, um, they're going to say, well, it looks on paper like this is Russia, so now we're in a war. See, this whole time they were calling it a special military operation right. because technically, according to their own laws, they're supposed to use whatever means necessary, including calling up preservists and including and up to using nuclear weapons. Who is the sort of the other party of the proxy war? We know the United States oh, right, is one right. party, so, but so, who is the other party on the other side? So the proxy war in Yemen started when Iran backed Houthi rebels, took over the government and, and made a revolution, kind of similar to the maybe Euromaidan uh, revolution in Ukraine or other revolutions. Uh, but basically, or you know, basically what happened was Houthis are, are, are Shiites. And so traditionally, Yemen was under the hegemony of the Sunni-led, um, uh, you know, uh, Gulf states. And uh, so, so the Gulf states didn't take too kindly to this regime change, just like Russia didn't take kindly to the one in Ukraine. And they went ahead and initiated a campaign of essentially bombing them, of course, with American weapons. If you go, you could see John Stewart in 2013 or 14. Um, he had a whole episode about how we uh, sold weapons to every single country in the Gulf region mm-hmm. uh, in order to promote peace, quote unquote. Well, right, yeah. those weapons are then used in what is actually a more horrific, currently humanitarian crisis than in Ukraine. But I feel that because they are not so-called first-world countries, um, Ethiopia is another one with a proxy war. We simply do not care. They have 40 million people, uh, about 36 million, similar to Ukraine. They have a much larger and worse humanitarian crisis for more years, but we don't say anything. We only talk about Khashoggi, one guy. And the same thing I just want to say in Libya, we talk about four people, which of course are important, you know, Americans, but millions of people live in a failed state in Libya, Mm -hmm. which we destroyed. Hold on, so hold on, hold on. You're getting way away from my really simple one-word question here. So uh, so you're saying that Iran then is the other party in this proxy war? Is that right? Oh, yes. In so, Yemen. Correct. So uh, now, did I hear you uh, uh, say that uh, Ethiopia is also a proxy war? 
in Ethiopia, as we speak, there is a humanitarian crisis. Okay. That is, yeah, from a war, which is essentially looks like a proxy war as well. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.